Good morning all. On that high note of, note of praise, we will just want to welcome you again. And it's wonderful to welcome all of you to an amazing day in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity. Because everything started on Good Friday. And of course, it finished on the Sunday, Resurrection Day. But we want to welcome you all. I noticed that Clannan and, oh, is Kaylee, is Kaylee there? We want to uh, welcome there, up, up there, and are they up there? We want to welcome you as well. But everybody else, if you visit us, everybody, we want to just welcome you this morning. And may we be blessed this morning as we focus on the, f the question, or if, in fact, probably the statement, imagine a world without Easter. Can you imagine a world without Easter? Can you imagine a world without justice? Can you imagine a world without the risen Lord being involved and always available to us? Can you imagine that? But before we do so, let's just pray together and ask the Lord to be with us. And I also want to include at this point in time Jordan. Jordan will be going to, he'll be studying in Durban. So he'll be leaving tomorrow. So if he could come and I will, we just want to, I just want to commit him to the Lord as he goes and he equips himself in terms of training and, and study. Let's just pray together. Father, we want to thank you for Jordan and thank you for his life and uh, thank you for the amazing impact that he has had, Lord, on, on our church here and even in the ministry, in particular in children's work, Lord, and uh, more so also, Lord, he's just his, his availability at all times. And Father, we pray now that as he, em he embarks upon a new experience, Lord, we will be away from family again, but this time, Lord, in terms of equipping himself, we pray that your hand will be upon him, that you will cover him, keep him, bless him. Lord, that you will fulfill your purposes in and through him. Lord, I pray that you will accomplish great things in his life. And as he studies this year, Lord, and for the next couple of years, we pray that you will guide him, you will be there for him, he will constantly be aware of your involvement in his life. We commit him to you and we pray your blessing over his life, your protection. We pray, Lord, that he will accomplish great things in you and that you will fulfill your purposes in him. Won't you bless him, Lord? Then at the same time, we pray for ourselves, we pray for our service further, we pray for the message now that you will bless us, you will minister to us, Lord, and that you will keep us, Lord, and speak to us. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Won't you bless us further? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Our scripture reading this morning then is found in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to read from verses 11. Matthew chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, we will read from verses 11 now. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was around, 
roused or rather accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So far may God bless the reading of his precious word. God's word is always powerful. But we're focusing this morning on imagine a world without Easter, but more so um, imagine a world without justice. He was conceived by an, uh, an unmarried young lady. He was born as a homeless king. But at his birth, the heavenly choir sang. His birth announcement came to shepherds in the field, and the stars declared to all nations that a king was born. So at a very early age, Jesus knew what it meant to be homeless. He knew what it meant to be a refugee. He also knew that God's purposes do not align with human calculation. You can never figure God out. His ways are higher than ours. Isn't it true? Have you ever been treated unfairly though? That's the question we're dealing with here. Have you ever been accused of something you did not do and mistreated? We do not like it when people judge us unjustly. We become extremely defensive. We seek to justify ourselves. We might lash out sometimes and even attack others because of the disappointment. But Jesus responded differently. He always does. Isn't it true? He responded differently. He endured more intense injustice than we could ever imagine. Imagine being falsely accused. Imagine being mocked. Im imagine just being rejected, overlooked, disregarded. Yet he was king. Yes, he endured more in intense injustice than we could ever imagine. Jesus suffered unjust treatment by both his harshest enemies and his closest disciples. But he never lost his composure and compassion. What happens in you? Isn't it true? It's far more important than what happens to you. And that's what Jesus revealed here. What happens in you, to, in you is far more important than what happens to you. What do we mean when we talk of justice here? 
Well, one has to do with fairness, because justice has to do with fairness. This is so unfair. We live in a world where, where there is such, such a lot of unfairness. It's, this is an imperfect world, so there will be unfairness. Whether you want fairness at times, there will be unfairness. And each one of us have experienced injustices from time to time. The other idea has to do with consequences, and that's the thing with, with justice here. There are always consequences to the decisions we make, the choices we make, the things that we do. There are always consequences. When treated unjustly, what you do is far more important than how you feel. Did you hear that? More important than how you feel. But firstly, this morning, justice begins and ends with the Lord. Right, verses 11, right through to 18. Justice begins, when you think, we're thinking of justice, it begins and ends with the Lord. Good Friday was a terrible day for Jesus. He was tried, declared innocent, but condemned anyway. He was whooped almost to death and then le led to his crucifixion. It was a long and difficult road ahead, it seemed. Jesus' best friends abandoned him. One of his closest colleagues committed suicide. Soldiers arrested him. Religious people treated him with disdain. They mocked him, hit him, and spat in his face. But he willingly laid down his life for our past, present, and future sins. He willingly took upon himself our past, present, and future sins. He willingly took upon himself and bore the guilt of our rebellion and shame. No normal man could have died for you or for me. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who gave his life for us. Can you imagine that? Eh? The sinless, spotless Lamb of God laying down his life for us. Jesus established his kingship not through fear and force, but through the self-giving love of the cross. There is not one human being who is more important to him than another. He loves each one of us unconditionally. We all have a sinful nature, and we are all sinners, according to Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He does not single out someone as acceptable and some as unacceptable. No one is excluded. He does not show favoritism or partiality to anyone. He came for all because all were born with a sinful nature. He has the last say, my brothers and sisters. He is positioned higher than all rule and authority, dominion and power. We have instant access 
access to his rule, to his authority in our lives, according to Ephesians 2 verse 6. To say this here to you this morning, before you give up, see yourself granted full access to his rule and authority. Justice begins and ends with the Lord. But secondly, justice is intimately personal. And let's read again that verse 19 there. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife said to him, or send him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal. Stop there. I have. It's personal. It's intimately personal. Justice is intimately personal. Now, here this morning, I often wonder what would happen if we lived with a camera on us 24-7. What would happen if we lived? I want to repeat that. What would happen if we lived with a camera 24-7? If we could get a small glimpse of what the Lord sees... Just imagine our facial expressions, our behavior toward others, our private moments. What if each night we had to watch the replay of our day? I think it would revolutionize our lives, our marriages, our business dealings our interaction with others, and our personal time. You see, he knows everything about you, and it is intimately personal. He is with you wherever you go. He created you and ordained the days of your life. He sees what no one else can see. He sees your pain. He sees your confusion. He knows your story this morning. He also knows your weaknesses, your sins, your motives, and even your addictions. You are fully and intimately known by him this morning. Justice is intimately personal. And with everything he knows about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Isn't that amazing? The thought of being separated from you prompted the greatest expression of sacrificial love the world has ever seen. Do you recognize his love and your need for his grace today? But then thirdly, uh, this morning, justice involves setting things right. Verses 20 to 26. Pilate was a coward. He was not prepared to set things right. He knew what to do, but he was not prepared to do it. And the Bible says he washed his hands before the crowd and, and he said, uh, and he said, uh, he said to the crowd, may the blood of this innocent man be on you. And the crowd said, let his blood be on us and our children. <laughs> you see, justice involves setting, involves, always involves setting things right. And I think of the words to set things right, the Greek, in Greek it is, a, it is a medical term. 
and it's like a doctor who sets a broken bone in place. You see, he sets that bo broken bone in place. It means to establish or set a thing in place, to correct or set a thing in order. It also means that things left unfinished will finished will worsen, not get better. What is it that you have left unfinished? It will get worse, won't get better. See, because justice involves setting things right. Now, there's another term for, for, for justice, and that is the one of advocate. A term applied to a lawyer. Literally, it means one called alongside. Oh, I want the Lord to be my advocate at all times. I want him to be alongside me constantly. This means he represents us before heaven and earth as our advocate. He represents us before heaven and earth. Right now, this moment, in the moment you sin, in the moment others sin against you, Jesus is there as your defense. The word advocate was used in court settings when someone was accused of something. Someone else would voluntarily, not by demand, step from the crowd, walk up, take his place beside the accused and speak on his behalf. He would speak in his defense. Hey, I'd rather Jesus speak in my defense than anybody else because I cannot trust anybody else, eh? Even the people you think you can, eh? When we fail, the devil runs to accuse us. But Jesus is there to represent us. I love that, eh? He's there to represent us. He's always there to represent us. You know, when I think of this, the case is based on what Jesus has done, not on us. The case is always based on what Jesus has done, not us. Because of Jesus, all the evidence against me is covered by his blood. Did you hear that? Talk about justific uh, justice. Blood had to be shed for, for justice to, be, to prevail and to be available to us. Covered. I want to repeat that again. Because of Jesus, all the evidence against me is covered by his blood. Oh, his blood paved the way for my salvation, your salvation, the world's salvation. Acts 4.12 His blood paved the way for, for your forgiveness and for my forgiveness, for our forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. His blood paved the way for our deliverance. Uh, Ephesians 1 7 speaks about us being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It paved the way for our redemption, our deliverance, our freedom. No longer bondage, brother, sister. 
His blood paved the way. His blood paved the way for our healing. Spiritual healing? Yes. Physical healing? Yes. Deep healing? Yes. His blood paved the way for our healing. His blood paved the way for our protection. Can you remember what the Lord said in Exodus 12, 13? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Paved the way for our protection. His blood paved the way for our authority. Revelation 12:11 says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. His blood paved the way for our full acceptance. Romans 5:9 been justified by his blood. Isn't it amazing? His blood. Blood had to be shed for justice to prevail. Jesus knows everything about the case, all the facts, but still chooses to represent us because the case is rock solid to him. Not on what we have done, but on the finished work of Christ on behalf of us. The justice of Christ is not only sufficient to cover every sin of my life, but also every sin of every life on planet Earth. He is the perfect answer to all sin, the perfect solution to all sin. The Lord's justice means that evil will be addressed. That's justice, right? Evil will be addressed. But it also means that everything that can be restored to wholeness will be restored to wholeness. Did you hear that? And this is what, where we come in and we read, we read in verses 24 to 25 about, about Pilate making excuses. Stop making excuses. Set things right. I pray that this Easter weekend will be a moment and a time in your life where you, as an individual and as a family, set things right. Stop making excuses. Making excuses hinders people from seeing solutions. You become focused on why you cannot instead of how you can. In fact, the habit of making excuses keeps one focused on obstacles. Making excuses turns people into victims instead of victors. Do not expect perfect situations, my brother, my sister, before you act. We live in an imperfect world. At some point, you must do the right thing, even when it is inconvenient. Did you hear that? But also realize the potential that he has given you. We are responsible not for what we have, that's potential, but for what we could have realized potential. Not for what we are, but for what we could become. Realize the potential that he has given you. Look for solutions instead of problems. That's what Pilate should have done, eh? Justice 
involves setting things right. Look for solutions instead of problems. Our problems often are not really a lack of ability. It's a lack of willingness. Isn't it true? We have been given everything we need to make an impact. All we must do is step out in faith and do it. If you need to get right with the Lord, my brother, my sister, then do it now, not tomorrow. Not later. Do it now. See beyond yourself and make the necessary adjustments. He has a destination paved just for you. So get on with it. Don't stay where you are. Become the trailblazers and trendsetters that you were created to be. Ask you this morning, what is one area of your life where you are going to move forward in faith and leave all the excuses behind today? When I think of the Lord this morning, and, in, uh, and I'm concluding now, He identifies with us in our darkest moments. He knows every secret, every thought, every word we have spoken, and everything we have done. Jesus is aware of everything. Yet Jesus endured physical torment, emotional trauma, and spiritual agony for you and I. Jesus has truly been marred beyond resemblance, the worst imaginable in human existence for you and I. The true king of the universe suffered injustice for us at the hand of a system designed to protect justice, yet he did not. See, he loves us despite us. Did you hear that? He loves us despite us. His love is not just unconditional. And I probably have come with another word here. It's not, it is contra-conditional. In other words, it's opposite to any other love. When Jesus died, the curtain of the temple is torn from top to bottom. Because of the finished suffering of Jesus, the curtain is now torn wide open. We can draw near to the king of the universe with confidence, according to Hebrews 4.16. The curtain is still open today, my brothers and sisters. Are you anxious? Rise and come to the king. Are you burdened? Unload it. Unload it before the king. Are you give, grieving this morning? Enter into his presence and be blessed. Do you need help? Head straight up to him and share your life, your all with him today. They tried to trick him. They tried to trap him. They tried to question him. They tried to accuse him. But you cannot keep Jesus down. He's ready to set things right in your life and my life. Imagine there was no justice. But 
there is because of Good Friday and later in the week the resurrection are you ready to set things right with him today amen father thank you for your word today thank you for speaking to us the way you have now we pray lord that as we continue to commemorate what you have done for us we pray that you will just draw us closer and closer to you bless us further lord be with robin lord as he shares with us we worship you we honor you lord amen